when you tow the line in a race, you it should, and, and I and I truly feel this way. I say, I give my wife a kiss goodbye, and it's like this could be it. This could be the end because I'm gonna give it all, and I might go too far. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm prepared to do that, and and so it's very solemn because uh, I'm not. There's no coming back now. Like it's like you tow that start line. I want you to give me everything you have. Aloha and welcome back to the Chris Lieto podcast. We are here at my home where I got to sit down with Lionel Sanders as he's here doing some recon, doing some training in preparation for the Ironman World Championships, which is here in Kona, Hawaii every year in October. And he's doing some, some training to learn some new things and to always find ways to improve his performance. And we got to sit down and actually have a great conversation where we got a little bit more in depth than I think I've heard him in an interview in the past, where we talk a little bit about where he came from, what got him involved in the sport of triathlon, what motivates him uh, to push hard, to have no limits, and to really see what he can get out of himself in every aspect of his life. So enjoy this episode. All the information and notes will be in the show notes. So please check out those show notes. You can also go to my website, chrislieto.com forward slash podcast to get detailed information, links, uh, coupon codes, and everything else affiliated with each episode. So please go and check that out and make sure you subscribe to this podcast and support me so I can continue to provide and to bring you uh, great interviews and insights into some phenomenal athletes and experts that can improve our performance, improve our life, and keep us moving forward. This show would not be possible without the support of Adaday. Adaday has been an amazing support to me just in my ability to get back out and running again. So I owe a lot to these guys and I'm amazed with the drive and the focus and the dedication to creating amazing products that help improve your life. So Adaday is a uh, leader in the active healing tools, which are really designed to mimic getting your own therapist at home. And so their tools really help activate your body for exercise to make sure that your muscles are activated. Also, obviously helps in speed recovery and helps in treat and prevent injury. And for me, I've used this product, the BioZoom in particular, which allows me to massage out my my calves and my low leg and my planner, which has really been a a nagging issue for me for for years. And so I owe a debt of gratitude to them because it's allowed me to get up and to get out and run again. And the BioZoom has allowed me to work on my legs while I'm sitting with my family or watching TV because of how quiet the tool is and how effective it is. And so I work on my legs and it's allowed me to run. So I owe a lot to them. And I encourage you to go to addaday.com. That's A-D-D-A-D-A-Y.com and support them as well and check out their their tools. And if you use Chris20, that's a coupon code for Chris20, we'll give you a discount on all their products. So go and check them out and support them and support this show. This episode is also brought to you by Gatorade Endurance. Gatorade Endurance is different than your typical Gatorade that you'll may have tried in the past. Gatorade Endurance is specially formulated for endurance athletes or those that are doing prolonged exercise. You need to have uh, replacements 
of what your body is breaking down and what it's burning while you're out exercising. And the Gatorade Endurance Formula is specifically designed to help in those areas, to maximize your performance, to maximize your body, to be able to get through those prolonged workouts or those races. And those are mainly in three areas, and that's your calories, of course, your electrolytes, and your carbs. And when you're going through prolonged exercise, you're gonna burn more electrolytes than you realize. And electrolytes are critical, and so they have an increased amount of sodium and potassium in this formula. So that's really important. The other part is the carbs. Your body needs carbs as energy, as fuel, and so they have 22 carbs per serving that you get. But more importantly, it's the multi-carbohydrate blend that they have, that they've created. It's not just a single carb. All carbs are not exactly the same, so it's a multi-blend of that. It allows your body to absorb it quicker. And the quicker your body can absorb those carbs, the less likelihood that it's gonna give you GI issues or stomach cramps and things like that. The other thing is just calories. Your body needs calories and your muscles need calories. So you need to absorb those calories and get them in your muscles so you can keep going farther and longer. But one of the other things that you may want to consider if you're planning on doing a race, most likely Gatorade Endurance is going to be at your race. They're at over 300 races nationwide. So a bulk of running races and triathlon events, short and long events, are going to be represented with Gatorade Endurance on course. And the number one rule is never do something new on race day that you haven't tried at home or in training. So. You have to try what you're gonna do on race day. Go to Gatorade.com forward slash endurance. Use coupon code CHRIS20 and you get a 20% discount. So I encourage you to go to again, Gatorade.com forward slash endurance. Use coupon code CHRIS20 and get a discount and make sure that you try this prior to your event. And before we start our show, one last thing is I get people asking me again, what they should be taking, how can they improve, how do they lose weight, how do they maintain muscle. They're always asking me questions about nutrition. And 99% of the time, the number one thing that I will tell them to take or advise them to take is essential amino acids. It's a specific blend of amino acids that your body needs to absorb. And every amino acid is not the same. And the ratio of amino acids is super important. If you take a mix of certain amino acids at the same time, sometimes they counteract the benefits of that amino. It is hard to find good products nowadays online, sifting through so much product that talks about, for example, amino acids. I came across this product uh, through Ben Greenfield, who started this company. I used amino acids, essential amino acids, pretty much my whole professional career, found immense differences in it in recovery in racing sustained energy maintaining lean muscle uh, so this is the top of my list the number one thing that i advise people to take and tell people that it's uh, worth every penny so i know it sounds like a commercial but everyone asks me this is what i tell them so i talked to ben greenfield and i talked to keon and they were nice enough to give me a discount code to pass on to you guys so Go to getkeon.com forward slash Chris Lieto. Again, that is getkeon, G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com forward slash Chris Lieto. Use coupon code Chris20 and check out the amino acids and also check out a lot of the other products he's got on there. Everything that he has on there, he's done his research. Uh, he's sifted through it. Um, he's 
really has done a great job with what are the products that are on there and also check out his book, uh, Boundless. So check it out, getkeon.com forward slash Chris Lieto, coupon code Chris20. All right, well, here we go. I'm super excited for this episode. I'm excited to share it with you and I'm looking forward to your guys' reactions. So let's get started. We had a chance yesterday to, to hang out and do a We're doing some hard yards. Yeah, it was a lot was, of fun. That was I've, quite... I've been training for 10 years. You haven't trained in 10 years and you're still sticking in the screws to me. So. Uh, I was not sticking any screws <laughs> to you, that's for sure. Um, that was definitely, um, that was wild. Like I said, you know, it's, I retired, what, maybe nine years ago I stopped racing. No, maybe eight years ago. All right. For the most part. And when I stopped, I stopped and uh. I really didn't see much at all. <laughs> And then you asked me this, or uh, Tal had asked if I would join in a swim or whatever. And I said, oh, yeah, it sounds fun. And then uh, luckily the swim workout got cut short. <laughs> um, we only had to do one one piece of the main set, but it was a little bit of a suffer for me, that's for sure. So I'm glad it cut, cut short, short too, because I was getting embarrassed. So Embarrassed for what? Because <laughs> I've training for 10 years and you get quit training cold turkey for eight years and you're still swimming the exact same times as me it's embarrassing you can you can fake it my, for my talent is zero in the water unfortunately for a 50 you can you can cheat it for mm -hmm. sure all right but that's one <laughs> thing so one of the things that i've noticed that you have is how as far as determined you are um how much grit that you have in your practices how you look for from the outside watching it, to me, it looks like you look for areas that you need to improve and you're not afraid to address those things. Like right now we're talking about swimming and your first Ironman, you were, you were last out of the water of the men's field. Um, 70.3 Worlds, 2014, I remember like it was yesterday. Last out of the water. Yeah. Uh -huh. And how far back? It's an interesting the... feeling to come out of the water and very easily find your bike because it's the only one left on the rack. <laughs> embarrassing. My whole swim career has been embarrassing. Not anymore it though. Makes you, it makes your skin thicker. But what did you do to really um, attack that or address that? Yeah, like I mean, the, 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 the unfortunate part is that I've gotten better every single year, literally every single year, and yet my deficits have really not gotten any better because guys are taking more and more of that time that was on the table off the table. For those who, who don't know that may be listening to this, an Ironman swim is, is 2.4 miles. Mm -hmm. uh, then you get on your bike and you ride 100 and 12 miles mm -hmm. and then you finish with a marathon 26.2 so those who who now know that this is uh extreme for sure it's something that is unique and that it's will... extreme in temperate conditions it's beyond extreme when you come here here in Kona you know, like right now it's not too bad but in October it's oh, I would say it's like horrible yeah. a horrible place to exercise at those intensities and then the course is quite challenging too it's probably one of the hardest courses if you plop this into temperate conditions yeah i would agree so an Ironman's hard but it's very hard here yeah now you didn't you didn't have a swimming background obviously this is you learned how to swim late in life but what did you what was your childhood like did you grow up doing sport at a really young age or what yeah was it like I've, I've always loved athletics absolutely my first experience was wow i did t-ball and missed the ball and got hit in the no hit in the hit in the mouth and got a fat lip so that was my first sporting experience t-ball yes i almost almost quit sports then but um and then from there, basically, I got into running very early on. And I, in year one, I didn't do very good. But then I was like, thought the guy who did won all the races and everything, I thought he was the coolest guy ever. And I was like, oh, I want to be just like that guy. And then in year two, that's when I started to come of age, I guess, and 
uh, and then I started to do well. So running was kind of like my my natural what, what thing age that was I was good was... at. I was like uh, grade grade four. So oh, early in grade four. Yeah, like I don't 10, know, 10 or yeah, something. Maybe yeah, younger. And then I, I mean, I always competed at the highest level that was available to me growing up. But I, I came from a small town, and so I don't know. It was like pretty quickly I felt obligated to run because it was like I, once I got into high school, it was like it was expected that I was. I was going to run for the team. And I was going to be good too. And uh, that's when I started not really liking running anymore. And so then I went all through high school, basically just going through the motions and, you know, I was partying and all this stuff. And so I didn't, I didn't, I never really lived up to my, my potential, which it all worked out in the end, you know what I mean? But, but, you know, I, I think in grade 12, like I had, I had like scholarship letters and stuff that, really? that oh, we're, we're, we're looking we'll be looking at you. But then I was just mentally, I didn't want to go away and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I've been like a king of self-sabotage. Uh, I, I, can, I can see at times in my, my athletic career. So anyways, I always loved basketball, though. We were just shooting some hoop yeah. out there. And you can see I have absolutely no <laughs> basketball talent. It's a lot better than mine. But, but I love basketball. So that was the one that I really enjoyed. I mean, I was at the basketball court every night, not, not thinking about running. I was playing, you know, three-on-three, one-on-one basketball. That, that's what I did. And then I rode, I rode BMX, too. And oh. I really love BMX, but once you get, once again, no talent whatsoever. I could do, like, a, uh, the, the, the 180 pivot, you know, where you jump up and you, and you spin all the way around. Yeah. And I could 180 in the air and then ride backwards for a little bit and then, and then get out of it in a hop, hop, uh, hop, uh, Bar spin, bar or spin, a hot yeah, bar spin, but that was the, the the limits of my ability in BMX. So uh, I, I've always loved sports. So yeah, I you were real active. I yeah. really loved sports. Yeah, that's all I did was sports. All I thought about always outside. Was, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Who was who was your mentors or who helped who helped really guide you in like high school or junior high when you were in that? Was there a, a coach? Or was there someone else in your life that kind of inspired yeah, you? Yeah, I had a great, I had a great high school coach in in track, and he always told me there's a lot more up in that brain. I know it, and uh, I just never, you know, you, you don't hear until you're ready to hear. Yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, I mean, in, in high school, you know, we would friend of mine and I. There's only two guys on the cross country team. Like it's this tiny little school, right? And we'd run out of view of the coach and we knew how long the interval should take. And we would just, we would just sit there and chat for a little bit. And then we run back around the corner. This is our level of devotion. Uh, and so, I mean, when you're going up against guys who are, who actually want to run, yeah. you're obviously going to, going to get beat badly. And I mean, I held my own decently well off of that kind of training. That was always my thing. I just, I used the races as training. It was the only time I ever really trained. But I had a great high school coach. I just said he—he he probably could have taken me far, but uh, the student was not ready yet. So that was through high school. Then at high, when you were done with high school, did you did you stop running completely? I went into college, and I was like completely out of it by this stage. First time out on my own, partying was the only thing I wanted to do or thought about doing, including not my studies, nothing. All I want to do is party. Yeah, and so I focused and. You know, you see your personality come out in all your endeavors. And I was very good at partying. I was a very competitive partier. And, uh, and so, yeah, I took pride in that. And I, and I trained hard at that. <laughs> and, uh, and I took that to a level of, uh, well, dropping out of university. Not really, not even really dropping out. Just uh, basically my, my parents had given me a debit card and they trusted me. And I thought I was a good kid. And, you know, I'm just 
spending it all on drugs and alcohol. And finally they looked at the debit card and saw what I was doing with it. And we're like, okay, well that's off the table. And if you want to go to school or you're going to, if you want to live this lifestyle, you're going to have to pay for your own schooling. And so then I, I couldn't go back to school. So then I just, uh, um, I was becoming extremely introverted at this time too. I think just from, from smoking so much pot and stuff. Wow. And, uh, so anyways, I went and like got a quick job at like a, like a call center. And I was like, no chance. I'm so introverted. I can't even go into work. Like I can't be see, I can't be around people. And that's when I, I got involved in Elance, this like online, yeah. uh, you know, it's, like, I remember, it's yeah. another thing now it's called, they got bought up, but, uh, and then I started. It's where you're doing, like a temper or you're an assistant kind of. Right? Yeah. You can do like a million yeah. different things. Yeah. So I, I actually made like a decent, uh, decent, but I made enough money to party and pay my rent from doing transcription. I got really good at transcription. So I was just listening to lots of different jobs and I would type it out what they're saying and then I'd send it in. I, I was able to like actually start to make a half decent amount of money doing that. But I also uh, didn't have to leave the basement and I just stayed in the basement for like two years and partied and in between when I needed to make some more money, I'd do some transcription. And that's horrible for you if you're already going and, very introverted. Yeah, so like right. At this stage, it was like I'd go to like a sh you know shopping or something, and literally I was just like, I don't even know what I was afraid of, but I was like I couldn't even look, I couldn't look people in the eyes. Um, I was just like very fearful and uh, social phobic. And was your self talk? What was your self talk like? Oh, well, I was like having like delusions, and I was hallucinating yeah. too. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was getting, I wasn't, I wasn't getting like. I wasn't stealing and stuff yet, but I was like right, right there to, to where I was going to get into the, to the, you know, what do you want to say? Street culture or something. Yeah. It was right there. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, my mind was like, uh, now with some research, I believe it's called something like amphetamine induced psychosis. And I was approaching that because like, I remember the one place I lived that I thought a pterodactyl lived in the, up in the, up in the attic. Like, I, I believe this isn't like, like I heard it, I could hear it going, the noises and everything. Wow. And like, and I would see some uh, different cars. I was monitoring the cars in the neighborhood and I saw a pattern in the cars and I was like some sort of a government operation or something. And then I started to think it was had to do with aliens or something. It didn't help. I was listening to like coast to coast on AM 800, like this, like, you know, like very, very out there stuff you yeah. know, that was also going into my mind. But uh, yeah, I mean, I did that for a couple of years down in the basement and, uh, and then eventually I was like, what in the world am I doing? Like, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's when I, I, I had a million people tell me, you know, guy, you're like, you're, you're getting really messed up. And, uh, it wasn't really until I saw it for myself that I decided to change for myself. So so what was that? Was there a moment or was there something like your parents said or what was it? That really no, yeah, there was never, there was never anyone, anyone else said. Unfortunately, that's, that's something that, if, you know, people have talked to me about substance abuse and that sort of thing. And it's like, unfortunately, until you're ready to change, it's pretty tough to change. You don't see anything really. You don't see the problem. But uh, there was one day where I, for whatever reason, didn't party and everyone was partying out in the, in the lives lived in the place where we partied a lot and everyone was partying out in the living room and, and then the drugs ran out and then there was like nearly a fist fight about like, where are we going to get more, you know, who are we going to call, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of, that kind of was like, wow, this is pathetic. Like, this looks really pathetic. And I was like, that's what I look like. I was seeing myself without being in it, I guess, right. for a second. Right. 
And that was like when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try and like ease off this for a little bit. And, and interestingly, the only thing I was, that, had, that I had like gave me good self-esteem was my, was my running. And so that was what I did. It was, uh, what was the date? November 6th. 2009, I believe it was. I have the training logs. Like I've always been very, I like writing and stuff. And I, for whatever reason, I started to log it and, uh, and I went for a 5k run and that was the beginning. Basically I count that as the beginning of my new life or the beginning of my triathlon career. So at that moment you said, I'm going to go out and run and you just wanted to escape and you went to go yeah. run. And then at that point you're like, it, it was familiar. That. It brought back, it brought back uh, feelings of positive feelings so that I remembered of good self-esteem because at this stage like I wouldn't even look in the mirror if I was brushing my teeth I keep my eyes down because I, I was ashamed of myself yeah. deeply ashamed of myself because I I think deep down inside you know you have potential and when you're when you're not when you're, you're living nowhere near your your potential to live um you're some something deep inside of you is aware of it and then and then for, for me I, I felt ashamed that I was I guess denying that this 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 whatever desire to, to live differently so at that point, was that where Ironman stepped in or as far as professional sports or just the drive to Jukot? Well, this is what's, this is what's made me a believer in a higher power because I ran for a month and um, I still like had no meaning, no, no desire to live really. Like I had nothing to live for. I didn't see any potential in myself or nothing. Um, and so that's when I got, it literally popped into my head to do an Ironman triathlon. It's, it's not a made up story in any way, shape or form. Um, and I had to Google what it was and I did, and I saw, holy crap, that's an amazing, uh, an amazing endeavor. And so then I called my mom and I asked her, what do you think about me trying to do one of these things? And she's obviously very skeptical, but she's a great mom and said, if you want to do this, embark on this journey, then, then I'll give you the credit card number and you can, she said, make sure she's paranoid. She said, make sure you rip it up after <laughs> and, and, uh, and you can sign out for the race. And that's what I did. And I devoted myself to that race. So basically that was my sole purpose. I continued to work on Elance, continued to do that enough to basically pay my rent. I bought a gym membership. Eventually I saved up for a, for a, my first bike, first time trial bike. And, uh, and then eventually I went to that race in, I believe it was end of August, 2010. And what Ironman was that? Ironman Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. And then was... at that point, when you went to that first race, did you already commit saying, hey, I want to see if I can be a professional in this? No, or was no, just no, like, no, hey, no, I just no, want to go no. do it. Yeah, I didn't know if I could do it. Like, right. I, I honestly didn't know if I, I you know. I, I, how long, I, how long were you training for before you went and did that race? Well, that was, like uh, I it. signed up in December 2009. And then okay. I went and I did the race in, in uh, uh, August. August 2010. So what is that? Eight, nine months I yeah. basically trained for it. No yeah. idea what I was doing or anything. Basically, it was all the training was like, it was, can I do the race, right? So yeah. all my training was to try and swim four kilometers, to try and bike 180 kilometers, to try and run 42 kilometers. And I had a running background, so I, I understood a little bit about training, how to train. So I, so I was doing like kind of interval work and stuff, uh, but I had absolutely no idea of so many aspects of the thing. But uh, so I had my normal, my normal, as I still have to this day, I came out of the water like near the <laughs> very end. <laughs> Right. And then I, I, I think I passed like 750 people or something. And then I blew up on the second half of the run, just That's like, 
Just like nothing changes. <laughs> so I was completely ignorant. What's funny is I repeat the same errors. Like I was like, this was like record highs. I remember it was record high in, in Louisville that day. And I had no idea about hydration, like nutrition and hydration. Like I just figured you can go forever, right? The mind will take you wherever you want. Yep. Which is true. I do believe this, but there are biological limitations that you must. Uh, and you got to put in the work too. Yes, you must time. understand these. Yeah. And I, I did not. I think I drank like four bottles on the bike and <laughs> wasn't really planning on like eating anything. I didn't give any thought to this. And that's obviously a disaster on the second half of the run and in the latter stages of the bike. So anyways, I, I finished, uh, I think I was like 50 something or 48th place and uh 10:14. I finished. That's, I finished the race. And that's pretty good for your first one. I had. I had. Um, I think I had like the tenth fastest bike split. That's so amazing. That was like my claim to fame. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so then. So then, when did it? When did that drive shift to like? I'm going to keep well, going in this. Like you accomplished yeah. it. You set out that goal. You trained for it. You did it. You proved that you could do it. It took you out of where you were. Yeah. And now, are you at a place now that you, as far as can look at yourself in the mirror when you much better much it was amazing the transformation and that's why i believe iron man truly is a, an outlet to transform your life yeah and, and anyone who does an iron man it will it's impossible even if you don't even train for it that day when you get out there it will change you you can't not change you it's such a profound experience and so it did change me and i began to believe in myself but I still didn't think I'd be a professional because then I said, okay, well, I'm going to get an education. I'm going to finish my education. And I had been out of school for long enough now that I was like a mature student. And so the government actually gave me like uh, a loan. You see, you had to pay it back, but I got a loan. Yeah. And I was able to, to get back into school right, right then and there after that race. Like two weeks later, I went wow. back to, to college. And, and then I actually devoted myself to, to running again. I ended up making the, the cross country. It was like the first time where I actually made the cross country team in college. I had, I had, you know, didn't make it the first couple tries when I still was in college. Uh, this time I made it. I think I finished like 12th in the country for cross country. And wow. I really, I really was believing it that I could be a runner, but I was training. I really liked triathlon. So I just kept training for it. But you know how the world is. It's such a, such a, a interesting thing that the, the stars begin to align and, I did that national championship and Barry Shepley was really big in the Canadian and he was the voice of ITU, just big in the triathlon world. He saw this Ironman result and then he saw my college running result and he was like, this can't be the same person, but he contacted me through Facebook just to see. And I was like, yeah, it was. And he's like, oh, he, he, interestingly, he wrote my training plan in grade 12. He's from Harrow. He's from the same what? little town that I'm from. He wrote the training plan that I didn't follow, but he, that he, he wrote it for me. And so we already had this kind of connection. And, uh, and so then he was like, would you like to come out? I've got a triathlon team just outside of Toronto. Would you like to come out and like hang out with the guys and see maybe if you'd like to join the team? And so I went out there. It was like, you know, really scary for me. I never really been anywhere to get on like a Greyhound bus and go four hours up the road. It was a big thing for me. And uh, so anyways, I met these new people and it was really cool. And then Barry saw that I fit in with the team and asked me, you want to be part of the team? And then that was the beginning, basically, of my, my, my you know, striving to be a triathlete. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's amazing. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun out all. And all. then what, what do you find that uh, as far as drives you now? Like, what is it that motivates you or drives you to continue to, to go? Yeah, now, over the years, it all changes, right? Like, in the beginning, I was just running 
and, and this is this is for me something I can offer in terms of like addiction. I've just I shifted like a, a negative addiction for a positive addiction, right? So yeah. I so I got like hardcore into training and just like completely shut myself off to everything else. But you'll see there's negativity to that too, right? Like that's very no bad. What, you do, what yeah. happens to you though if you get injured? What <clears throat> happens if you you can't run again or something? Like what are you gonna go back to that lifestyle? And, very quickly, I started to see that I need to turn this into not an addiction. Like, it's just something I enjoy doing. And, and so I've always constantly thought about the mental aspect of the whole thing. And I've constantly tried to keep a good orientation to, to triathlon. Um, and so, so, yeah, in the beginning, I was running away as fast as I can from my old life, my old lifestyle. And that's what motivated me was to just go so far in the opposite direction that that I don't even remember. And I got pretty much got to a point where, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago now, where I was like, I don't even like, it's like almost like a different person. Like, I don't even think of that as being, of course it's myself, it's shaped right. and molded who I am today, but, and I'm not ashamed of anything I did or nothing. Um, but, but it is like a different person. We have, my mental wiring is so different now. Uh, and I owe that to triathlon and the people in triathlon. But that can't motivate you forever, right? Like, I'm not motivated by that because I do feel like it's a different person now. Yeah. So now I would say what's motivating me is uh, just, I just, I see so much room to improve. Like, I, I, I think it's good for you. I think it's very transferable to all parts of life to truly devote yourself to something. Uh, and so I, I enjoy devoting myself to this goal. And I do see that has a positive impact on the world and you inspire other people to do the same, whether or not it's in triathlon, it doesn't really matter. Um, but, I, but I'm giving myself fully to this endeavor and, and I still see a lot of room to improve. And so, so that, that's what's motivating me now is to, you know, over the years, I've had lots of experiences where, you know, finishing last place out of the water at 70.3 worlds. These are things that are kind of telling, you know, I think maybe not everyone, but a lot of people would be like, Oh, that's my cue to stop doing this. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Last place. What, what, what in the world? Uh, but in that race, I mean, that, that for me, because I've cultivated the mental aspect, that was just, that was fun. That was part of the challenge. And so in that particular race, I ended up finishing fourth place. Like I was 52nd out of the water and it didn't matter, right? It was just, it's irrelevant what place I finished. I, I'm devoting myself to giving my absolute best effort with what I have on the day. And so that's what motivates me. And that's kind of one of the challenges too, when you're wired that way, because it's like the last two Konas, I've been like, I push myself to the absolute limit. So I have no, like, I'm not sad about it, but they were, they were like not my true limits, right? Like I screwed up things in the, in the preparation that I didn't do to the best of my ability. And so, so those sorts of things upset me. And so I, now in 2020, I'm like, you need to stop making these, these, these dumb errors so that we can actually go to the limit, the true limits, not these, you know, severe dehydration, biological limits. Yeah. So that's, what's motivating me now is to, is to just, uh, to see how far I can go, see, see, see this thing through to completion. And what is completion for you? Or what is your goal? Your ultimate goal? Uh, like 2017, I truly, uh, when I crossed that finish line here, um, I think I led the run for, I don't know, like 20 miles or something like that and, and Patrick Lang passed me at I don't know mile 23 or so but it didn't matter because when I crossed the finish line I had truly that season and in the years leading in I had truly um took all the lessons that I had and I and they they all came to to fruition in that race and that performance and so I had no negativity or anything I felt like 
when you truly give your best effort and you cross the finish line, you're like, there was nothing else I could have done with the knowledge I had. Of course, you gained knowledge during that particular experience, but there was nothing I could have changed without the experience of the race that would have made me do that race better. And so I literally, that, that, was, that was an amazing experience. And I felt like Patrick and I really connected because I felt like he felt the same about his performance. He mm -hmm. just happened to be on the winning end. Mm -hmm. uh, but I felt like a winner too, because you are a winner when you give your absolute, like there was nothing else I could do. <laughs> and he beat me. Great. No, no problem. Yeah. And I remember the, just the emotion. Yeah, I remember like slapping hands. And I remember just because the emotion is, you can't transfer the emotion, but you want to. And I remember yeah. just thinking, I wish he'd punch me in the face right now. You know what I mean? Just, and then he would punch me and I'd say, again, again. Just, I don't know. It's weird. Like this is just this raw I pushed myself to the limit. It was the culmination of like years and years of work. And I finished second. It didn't matter. It was, it was just. But it wasn't it from was a place great. of frustration of no, like punch me. No, it was no, a, no. It was of, it was of like. A, like a joy. bonding. Like joy. A, it was yeah. just, this weird thing. Yeah. That's just how I, how I express emotion is through, yeah. I guess, physicality. Yeah. And so the only, the only way was punch me. Yeah. He didn't. <laughs> I didn't even ask thing. him, but that's what I was thinking. Right? Well, it's pretty he wild. He thought I was really weird and twisted. Probably got a restraining order on me. But, uh, <laughs> it's really wild because that story for you in 2017 is very similar to, to my best race at the World Championship race in 2009. So a, few, a month before you hit your point of your bottom, I guess you could say, to where you said I'm going to do as far as triathlon in 2009, October of that year, I raced here and I led the race for almost the whole day on the bike. It was out in the front, got off and I led till mile 20, 21 on the run. So very same as you. Crowey caught me, Craig Alexander. Uh, he caught me at mile 21, I think it was. And we ran side by side until mile 23. And that's when you got past. And that's when Craig ran past me or ran away for me at that moment. But I remember when I finished that race in 2009, I finished second, I honestly felt like I was gonna win that race. The whole day, I was like, everything's ticking, I felt amazing, I just listened to what my inner self or God was telling me to do, and I just did it, and the performance came out, and I didn't put any limiters on it. And when I crossed that line, yeah, I was, I was bummed I didn't win, but I wouldn't change it for anything because of that accomplishment and that feeling. So I get that feeling mm -hmm. that you had. I didn't want him to punch me, we gave a big embrace, yes, a big we, hug. We express our emotions yeah, differently. A little differently. <laughs> but it's very similar. Yeah, sure oh, that you. is such a weird, I mean, this is so weird. The, it's not weird, it's really cool, the magnificence, I guess, of life. Because that, I, that's burned into my brain, Craig Alexander winning that thing. Yeah. That's the, when I Googled it, that yeah. was the first thing that came up. But what's also interesting is, one of the first things my my forays into swimming is I googled something and you, you it was a, it was a swimming video of you and him I think doing hundreds or something together okay leaving on one twenty or something and that became my like what what is real swimming right I was so far behind that and and so that motivated me for years so the connection to it's amazing the connection that you were involved in that great race in 2009 that inspired me in 2009. And then to be sitting here yeah. talking about it to you <laughs> shows the, the, the odd magnificence of life. It's absolutely mind-boggling, yeah. the connection of everything.
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really pr- cool. I didn't know that story that deeply, though. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that, the fact that it was the same damn story. Yeah, <laughs> it was the same, same place. Outcome. Yeah, totally. And you were the one on the second place of the outcome. Oh, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not many people really get it. Yeah. You know, not, not many people get it. There's so much energy and so much time that uh-huh. goes into that and goes into trying For to perform. For one thing. Yeah. yeah. And you have uh, your loved ones that are there supporting you and. I don't know if you felt that, but at times I feel like I felt like if I didn't win certain races, I felt like I let down. I was almost more concerned or I would think about how I let down those that support me and those that love me, like my wife yeah. and my kids. And I, for me, my drive was a lot to give back to them or yeah. to show them. And I don't know if it was a place of coming of like um, yearning for love or yearning for that connection mm-hmm. and not knowing how as far as communicating it maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, but racing for me, it was a little bit of that. The, the beginning of my career, I did not experience that because I had to really, like I said, with the addiction piece of yeah. things, I had to really make sure that I have no, very little self, obviously you never can do it, but have very little of my self-worth wrapped up in the performance itself. I had to always keep it that way. And I think you should always keep it that way anyway, but it obviously it changes when you're doing it for a living and everything. But I will say the last couple of Konas, because I feel like I did, I, I drastically underperformed, I did start to feel that, that sort of like I let everyone down. And it's like, I got a lot of people on the team who are like, believe in me and everything. And yeah, I mean, that's like the worst. And that's what makes you change. Like, it's yeah. good for you to some extent because it makes you like, I mean, I ain't getting any younger either. Like, it's like, you know, like I, I've already done this five times and I did have one good one, but I've had four bad ones. And uh, it's like time's ticking, guys. So these mistakes that you're making, like, yeah, I mean, like my wife's devoting her life to this as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel you. I feel you now and now. How old are you? Uh, 31. I'll be 32 in um, February. And you feel, yeah. how many more and, years do you think you you have in the sport well, i would have said i would have said five or six but apparently 38 and 39 from Jan and tim o'donnell is prime time so i'm telling you i mean <laughs> maybe seven or eight i don't know Jan won by eight minutes so if he gives back two minutes a year he'll win at 40 <laughs> he'll tie at 42 yeah right he's gonna I, I i'm thinking his in his mind now he's he wants to be the first guy to win at 40. that would be motivating that'd be really cool right? yeah yeah that'd be really cool so i'm assuming that that's got to be on the mind that's one thing in Ironman <laughs> for sure endurance sports is so much of it is learning the process um learning learning what it takes learning about yourself right yourself so, is the biggest one I think yeah I learning. mean to be <laughs> to be a champion to be successful in this sport or in life what are three characteristics or three things that you would say and there may be more but what are the top three that you would say are needed to be great or to be successful or to be a champion? I mean, that's a really hard question, but I will say uh, one of the things for me that has that I'm watching come to fruition right now is relinquishing of control. Like I, I've always, I don't know, I think, I mean, David, my coach says to me, like, I get it. Like you, you like started off and you just like, you felt like it was just you trying to build you, you know what I mean? Felt, I guess you felt like alone or something, which was never the case. I mean, I always have my family and everything, but I guess that's how kind of you kind of feel, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're coming up through the ranks and so, but that becomes like maladaptive at some point. Cause it's like, I don't really like, I can't do it all. This is a very complex sport, right? right? There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of science now coming into the game, aerodynamics, 
I mean, you got power paddles in the water. Like this, this is just a lot of stuff that could be utilized or there is a lot of stuff to think about the nutritional side. And I've, I've like really, really had difficulties relinquishing control. And there's an e egoic point to that part of that too, right? It's like, well, I want it all for myself, which is bad, right? It's not good. And so that's the big one for me now that I'm, that I'm working on. Is, letting go or is letting go and letting like realizing that I've got a good coach who knows a lot more than me has literally 30 plus years of experience. I've got great, you know, Ivan O'Gorman on helping with my stuff on the bike, another 30 years of experience. And it's like, I spent a lot of years now trying to like, I want to learn it all myself. And it's like, now that I'm 30 coming on 32 it's like oh hang on a second here at this rate like i'm gonna be 48 <laughs> when i learn it all right you know what i mean and it's like no we gotta stop doing this it's not good and so right now that that's my big one that i'm learning is to into into you know acknowledge others and to and the help that that's provided i've just struggled these are all my own things that i've struggled with but the beauty i think this is the transferability of of sport is that these are these are these are positive attributes that I'm that I'm improving and working on, that that go beyond sport, yeah, right? And that's the beauty of this whole thing is it doesn't end in sport. When we when we always talk about wow, what a selfish endeavor, devoting all this time to singles. No, it's making me a better person. Trust mm -hmm. me, if I didn't have triathlon in my life, I'd be a much different person. And um, and so that doesn't answer your question, but uh, that's well, like my that's one. one thing. Yeah, yeah I guess sure. right now. Um, and then, I mean, from my standpoint, I would say probably the biggest asset that I have had is not taking no for an answer. Like, it's like, no, I believe that I can do this and I want to do this. And you know how many times I have had people say, there's just no way, there's no way your, your pedigree, especially in the water, just no chance guy. And I agree. I mean, you got to improve the swimming. Like this is, this is a, the beauty of this sport now is that like you, you have to be well-rounded. You know what I mean? The, the sign of a true sport is you can't have a weakness, right? I think maybe years ago you could have a weakness. Uh, you can't have a weakness now. Jan Ferdino has changed that. You cannot have yeah. any weakness whatsoever. And so if I listened to the critics and, to, you know, I've had many even people I, I would say are my friends say, you need to get a real job guy like it's like had i listened to him i mean i i i'm about this 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 june i'll pay off that student loan i said from triathlon money so i mean it, it's been a real career you know what i mean yeah and uh and not to mention just the positive changes it's had and so i just you got to listen this is a challenge right you got to listen but you also got to not listen you got to figure out what to listen to and what not to listen to so that that's a positive attribute to to i guess you know Heavy perseverance. Yeah. Relentlessness. Relentless perseverance. Yeah. yeah. Pushing through at all costs. Not uh, giving up. Yeah. And belief too. I mean, I belief hear is, a little bit of that. Yeah. Sure. And then, and then, uh, I think, uh, my mindset has been a, a real asset, which, which as we discussed my mindset, and I always try and cultivate this is just give me your best effort with what you have on the day. Mm -hmm to the best of your ability. And you see a lot of guys drop out and all this sort of stuff. And that's because they're not, I don't think they're cultivating the, the correct mindset. Mm -hmm. When you toe the line in a race, you, it should, and, and I, and I truly feel this way. I say, I give my wife a kiss goodbye. And it's like, this could be it. This could be the end because I'm going to give it all. And I might go too far. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm prepared to do that. And, and so it's very solemn 
because uh, I'm not, there's no coming back now. Like, it's like when you tow that start line, I want you to give me everything you have. And so you get a flat tire. I know you'd like to drop out now. I know you're not going to make any money or anything. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not the right mindset. It's you give me your best effort with the adversity or lack of adversity. I want to see your best effort. And I, and I think, and that's irrespective of placing and all that thing. And I mean, some people are going to argue, oh, you're a professional. Sometimes you got to drop out. But it's like, unless you're physically, like, going to hurt yourself physically, an injury or whatever, I don't think you should drop out. I think you should because I would have loved to drop out this year in Kona, 2019 in Kona. But you're taking away, I learned that from Sebastian Keenley. I mean, you're taking the glory away from Jan. Jan, you should feel the breadth of Jan that day. And I did. I was like 40 minutes behind or something like that. Like, it was like... Once again, here's the, it's like, well, maybe you should do something else. You know what I mean? But, but if you're wired properly, you don't take no for an answer and you keep going. So, so I, I think that's important. It's, it's my, your mindset, having a proper orientation to the thing is extremely important. 100%. So, but in your mindset, like when you kiss your wife as far as goodbye in the morning and you go out to do your race and your performance, and you're going to get everything that you have. Do you now, as you talked about, as far as letting go, do you have a sense of letting go expectation or letting go of maybe pressure that you put on yourself? Have you gotten to that point where you yeah. just go, okay, what, it is what yeah. it is. Well, I'm just going to focus on one step at we, a time. Or what, yeah, we, what we've been, we've been, uh, you know, it's like the double-edged sword. We've, we've harnessed like uh, my, at first I had a blog and then we turned it into like a, a vlog on YouTube. And so that, that's what I stand for. That's what I truly stand for deep inside my being is, when you tow that line, this is this is a sacred. You're, t- you're, you're doing something very sacred. It's 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 a privilege. It's not a right. And so you owe it to everyone, the whole world, yourself, to give everything you have to the best of your ability, regardless of of what happens. It, it, you might get last place. It don't matter. I still want you to give me everything you have. And so you know the double-edged sword of that is I, I preach that. And, but then when you're out on a Queen K walking at mile, you know, I'm already walking at mile 10. That's a long way to go, but you better damn well stick to your thing. And so I could have walked the whole way and it wouldn't have hurt that much. But I ran that 313 marathon. It was the hardest run I ever done. 313. I feel, I feel like truly I was nearing death because I was so severely dehydrated. And these are all problems that I, that I need to fix. But yeah. I did give my absolute, all my, all my performances I've done have all been best efforts. Like I gave my absolute best on the day and I stand by that. And I think it, I think that that's good for you. You should have that orientation. Yeah. Yeah. I find that for me, letting go those pieces where I've had the best performances. And I think that's one of the things that gave me the advantage against a lot of guys that I raced against. Cause a lot of times on paper or pure talent, they should beat me every time. But I think when I, when I performed and when I raced, I would show up to the race going, I'm going to give everything I have and we'll let it go. And however it unfolds, it unfolds. But I'm going to give every ounce that I have. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Where so many other guys or girls that are out there racing will put so much pressure on sure. themselves or expectation that ends up stopping them or slowing them sure, down. Yeah. The self-talk that they yeah, have. Yeah, I agree. I guess we're talking about the flow or whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, all my best races have definitely been... There was very little self-talk. It was it was one continuous. And now we get into like the 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 spiritual side of racing, and that that's another piece that I believe for ultra endurance stuff anyway. Yeah, is we get a connection to timeless nature, the true nature of of reality when we're doing these things. The, the thinking stops, 
and you are swimming, you are biking, you are running. There is no you, there's no in between. You're the whole act. And oftentimes we forget that with, with I guess, uh, this incessant thinking that we, that we have going on. Yeah. Uh, but you taste it for a second. Every now and then you taste it. And your best races are when you really taste it. And those are the, and I, I believe that's why people are drawn to endurance sport is because they know there's something there. There's something going on because you taste it called the runner's high, all these different ways yeah. to describe it. Um, but that, that, that's, if you have the privilege of ever experiencing that timelessness, that, that is truly what it is. It's like, you're like the gun went and you crossed the finish line and there was no in between. You have a recollection of it afterwards, but there was no thinking or anything else in between. You were one with what you were doing. Yeah. You're very present at the same time. hundred yeah. percent present. There is yeah. there because if you're thinking you're not present, right? You're not present to that moment. You're thinking, but when you're present, there is no thinking. Can't yeah. be, you can't have two at the same and, time. And in that moment, are you aware of your of what's going on around you at the same time? Full awareness. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like one of those, you hear the stories of the, the samurais and stuff. When they're fully present, they like catch the, the throwing star or something. They don't even need to look. Like these kinds of things. I believe that, that that could be the case if that was something, you know, whatever, warriorship or something you were studying. I study triathlon. Um, but but yes, you get, you get like things that that's the... When you have a great race like that, like we're saying, where you're in the completely in the moment, those are the races where afterwards you're like, I don't even know how I did that. I have no idea. And I couldn't have done it if I was thinking about it, trying to will myself to do it. It was because I was fully present, fully submitted that I was able to, to get everything out of it. You yeah. lose everything, you gain everything. Yeah. <laughs> and in that, in that process, how do you think about everything that you have to get done? Like nutrition plan or looking at your power put wattage or anything like are you looking at all that stuff and are you monitoring that stuff you're monitoring your yeah yeah of course of yeah that. of course you're fully so you're thinking through all that yeah but you're 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 a, you're a, you're, a, you're a warrior you're a machine and yeah. you know how to do it you don't need to think about it it just it becomes it becomes you're one with what you're doing yeah yeah those those races are i i i i crave those moments and i believe that's why people meditate i believe they're 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 drawing from the same thing um, you know, most, you know, deep spiritual experiences are drawing upon the same energy, the same, what's the saying? The moment we try and put it into words, we're missing the mark. You yeah. can only experience what we're talking about. And you know it. And any other endurance athlete who's taken themselves and, and, and really devoted themselves to something and pushed, uh, they've probably experienced it as well. And so it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. What was your greatest performance then where all those things came together you know itu worlds in 2017 was a really interesting experience because i got a flat tire so i was making up good time i was like basically it was me versus josh hamburger and he came out like four minutes ahead of me out of the water and then i was biking decently well i think i had the deficit down to about two minutes at about halfway and then i was going down to descent at about i don't know almost 50 miles an hour and i got a i got a flat tire so it was the first time i ever wow. got a flat at high speed and stuff but I remember it was just this, this really odd experience of like no panic whatsoever. Like it was, I was just like completely relaxed and I just slowed down as the perfect speed. I didn't need to think about it. You know, I wasn't panicking. Am I going to crash? I just slowed down, went to the side of the road, took the wheel off, put the thing in the center of the channel, took the tire off, took the tube out, put the tube on, put it back in the center of the channel, put it on. Heart rate's not even coming up put the wheel back on, got back on the bike. And I said, okay, you're going to win it on the run now. And so I eased off on the bike and I came off the bike with like six minute deficits. So I changed the tire in four minutes. And then I, mm -hmm. and then I, so I had a six minute deficit. 
and then I caught him at about 21 kilometers into the run. And it was, yeah, it was just, I was completely present. Cause if I wasn't, if I was thinking in all these things at this moment, I start panicking. Yeah, oh my yeah, God, yeah. what are you going to do? How are you going to, how are you going to win this thing? If I had all these expectations floating around in my head, but I was just like, I was just like, I was in the moment yeah. and it was, it was just a fantastic experience. And how do you, do you, tra <laughs> do you train for that? No, or? I don't think you can train yeah. that. I, I think you can be aware of it, right? Yeah. That's what like mental, I, I believe that's what meditation is. So mm -hmm. I do look at my, my training as meditation. Like when people ask me, do you meditate? I'm like, yeah, I meditate about four to six hours a day. Yeah. Because it, that's what it is. When you're swimming, especially if you're a weak swimmer, like it's a meditation, it's, it's, it's an, like these are forms focus, of meditation yeah. an intense focus on mm -hmm. one thing, right? And, and so it is a form of meditation. I, I mean, there's more, I guess there's, and I, I disagree. Actually, some would argue that's not a very noble form of meditation. Like you meditate on compassion. These are very noble, but this is a, this is a pursuit you for come, me. This yeah. is my outlet to the world. This is how I try and have a positive. So, so there is no more noble for me. This is a noble pursuit. Yeah, no, that's good. And then um, you've made comments before that you've talked about like fear. Uh, if you fear something, or if you're suffering in something, that that's when you push through and that's when you have to do it. To oh yeah, that's a good. That's another good perspective to have. Yes. Yeah, and do you address that? And there's that? something good on the other side, right? When you're afraid, you know, there must be something good on the other side if I'm so afraid. And what is the thing that you've been most afraid of? <sighs> What's the first thing? Dang, you got, you got deep questions. <laughs> Getting deeper. I mean, I've had lots of, you know, fears in the water and that sort of thing, like literal fears. That's a tough one. I don't fear that much. Like, I don't, I don't fear. It's trying to think or about, suffering. do, I, do I, could... I fear, do I feel fear failure? No, I don't fear failure at all. I, I think I try and analyze it when there is, I guess, of course, I'm a human being. So, of course, you, you fear failure. I mean, you, you like what are people going to think? Oh my God! Like especially, especially in 2018 when I came in, it was like almost it was almost like it was like well, there's only two guys obviously in this race. It's just because I got past late, and then there's Patrick who wants to get another win, right? And it was yeah. like so there was a lot of pressure. But I just I, I I strive to dissect that that sort of thing, and so there was nothing to fear. There's that's the thing I think is, there's, is generally there's never really anything to fear. Um, but I'm sure I fear, I fear uh, lots of things. <laughs> just can't think of it. Uh, well, and you said yeah. fear, fear of failure, or whatever that you don't fear yeah. failure. And you I, don't feel, I, I, don't, I don't fear that. In no. what you're talking about, no. how like. I'm cool if I don't win Kona. Like I, I want to win Kona. I want to, my dream is to say, I look, I Googled it in 2009 and I saw Craig Alexander holding up the banner. And then X amount of years later, I did the same thing. And I did that through devotion. Yeah. Just to one thing that I thought was 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 a, was good for me, but it was it was also bigger than myself. So, um, does fa does failing drive you more? Like when you finished last out of the water, did that day or that race say that failure that didn't bum you out? Did that just no. drive you more? Yeah, no, I didn't even think of it as failures. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you called it failure. I didn't see it failure. Well, I make fun of myself and stuff like. That's the thing too, right? You're always trying to be funny, joke around and stuff, right? But it's like, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I, I mean, I, 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 that day, that swim was the best that I could do. I swam really well and I trained really hard for it. I just don't have any talent. <laughs> well, I think that's what makes you know? a great champion is someone who doesn't see it as failure. I never had a uh, failure in my, as far as sure. vocabulary either. Yes. You don't view it as yes. a failure. Yes. If someone says you lost, I don't say I didn't lose. I got one. I got one. Yeah. 
I fear repeating these mistakes that I've made the last couple of years. I fear it so deeply, the depth of my being, it, it wakes me up at night. I'm so, I just, I'm like, stop making these mistakes. And I just don't want to make those mistakes again. So that's why I'm here, actually, right now. But you're now. putting things in place to make Absolutely. sure Absolutely. Yeah, actions always speak louder than words. And yeah. so here I am. I did. I know it's not as hot as it normally is, but I came here to get hard data so that I drive that fear deep into myself. I don't ever want to. So there's another fear. I don't ever. I When I crossed that finish line last year, it was a strange experience because I was like, okay, I pushed myself to the limit. That's great. But like, I feel like I'm nearing death right now, like truly nearing death i was i lost 17 pounds so 17 pounds wow. dehydrated which if you look in the literature i weighed in at about 165 i mean you you are you're well over 10 percent dehydrated you are nearing death wow <laughs> five That's more crazy. miles and you might have gone you know night night i think i have a high tolerance for not going night night you know what i mean yeah so i fear that like deeply deeply i don't ever want to go there again because it almost made me like dislike the sport because i was like this is stupid this is stupid if this is what triathlon is this is stupid but that's not what triathlon is. That's ignorance of how to, to hydrate properly. Yeah. And, and ignorance of biological limitations. Hi, baby. <laughs> Got a visitor from my dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, though. Yeah. But, yeah, being younger is different, right? This is, I guess, we're, we're older. So we, we, we don't. Iron Man's like an old man sport, right? We're like, uh, we've, we've developed. So when you talk about having fear i mean i'm sure i had a lot of fears then right yeah yeah when we were young <laughs> but you learn that those it's not rat like it's it's not true right yeah. it's usually your fears are, are not they're not grounded solidly and you can ch chop that false un false underpinning of them yeah totally that's good you know being injured in the past you had a pretty pretty severe setback a few years ago yeah where you had a stress fracture or oh, was, it was a this year break? it wasn't a few years not it, even a year ago was it just a year <laughs> yeah. that's right it was just a year ago yeah i was like high hopes man this season i was like i'm turning this ship around so what happened <laughs> what happened in 2019 that put you in that place to have a, a fracture in your in your sacrum is that where it, yeah yeah it? fractured my sacrum i didn't even know what a sacrum was yeah. until they told me i fractured it so and what was the lead up to that like what yeah i was it's always hard you know to to dissect something deeply like that but if i can really boil it down to i really started to deviate uh, probably out of fear actually i started to deviate from from what i believed in was proper training methods which is to do your easy stuff easy and make your hard stuff hard and give adequate recovery and somewhere along the lines i got convinced that well you're not doing your easy stuff hard enough and you're not doing enough hard stuff and you're taking too much recovery in between. So you need to like basically up everything, right? Wow. And it's like, this is, this is horrible uh, perspective. Uh, I got convinced of this and, um, and so I followed that and I believe that's what led to, uh, I did that for about three months and that's, I was doing some heavy, heavy training. I was doing like my easy stuff. I was starting to, at times I would be for, for an easy ride over 300 watts for an hour to two hours. That was my easy, easy pace. Right. And then I was doing, then I started saying, oh, I need more frequency of, of quality. So then I was doing a, a quality bike, quality run, quality bike, quality run, and a brick workout, which I was doing at, at also very high intensity in six days. Take one day of recovery, repeat that. Mm -hmm. I did that for three months. So every day you were pretty much going hard except for one day. For one day one off. Day I did that for three straight months. And then, well, about two, and a, two, two, two months and three weeks. And then I started to feel like I'm having a, uh, uh, like a, 
my sciatic nerve was pinched or something, yep. which I'd had before. And I went down another three weeks of like trying to figure out the diagnosis. But anyways, I, I, a few days later, I woke up and I, I pushed myself too hard in a brick workout and I couldn't walk the next day. Like I had to go buy a cane at CVS. So I wouldn't put pressure on my left leg. Wow. And then, and then eventually three, three weeks later, I got diagnosed with the sacral stress fracture. And so that was the first time I ever dealt with a real injury. Cause I, and that's why I beat the hell out of myself basically, because it's like, I, I, I've been able to do that. Right. But this yeah. was like a next level. Yeah. Beat yourself up. Yeah. And were there any warnings in that? Were you suffering or were you feeling? Yeah, there was a warning that? the day where it became, the day before it became symptomatic. The warning was I woke up and I had a brick workout planned and I sat on the couch for about six hours literally like procrastinating getting Doing the brick workout done i was dead to the world but this is where the 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 sort of the maladaptive side of things is like when you're really good at pushing yourself you also got to be really good at kind of kind of feeling when to stop pushing yourself and and that was that was the sign that i should have stopped there it was probably already i had fallen the day before on my butt off the bike and it probably already had kind of little fractured or something so that it was probably over anyway yeah but uh, I did do that rec workout, and then the next day it was like, ooh, something's yeah. not good here. Yeah. And how did so, you come back from that? Like, how was that process? Was that like a major letdown that you had to process mentally, or was it just like, yeah, no, right, in I the beginning, issue, let's address it. Yeah. I'm going to do this, this, this. That was my first time dealing with having, and it re- that one scared me because it was the first time I ever dealt with the fact that this might be the end. And I was like, damn, that's how you're going out like that. Mm. And uh, because, because it, because. First of all, three weeks went by where I just thought it was like a, a, a pinched nerve or something. And then I would go run and it would immediately be excruciating pain. And I flew my massage therapist from back home down because he had worked out a, a pinched nerve one time, which is what I thought it was, and it didn't get better. And I was like, oh my God, like what's happening? And finally, I, I got a good doctor who said, you need to go get an MRI on that thing. And then it was clear as day. So once I found out exactly what it was, it was like, oh, no problem. Yeah. He did caution me and, and, and say, you're lucky because it's bad. Like it's fractured, but it didn't pop off. Like it's not completely wow. fractured. It's still somewhat connected. What do they call it? Separated or something. Yeah. Because if it was separated, then we're going to have to cut open the glute and put a pin in there and everything. It's like, it's not, it's not very, it's not something you want to do. So that was the first time where I like truly got put to the test of how my orientation is to triathlon. Like this could have been the end and I would have been okay. You know what I mean? It was that the challenge was not knowing what it was, but once I knew what it was, it was like 12 weeks off basically. And I, I could, I could wrap my head around that. And then it became once again, with a good orientation, my job was to do my absolute best at recovering for the next 12 weeks. And that's what I did. Yeah. And did you learn a lot about recovery during that period of time that has changed how you yes. approach stuff yes, now 100%. and how you approach recovery? Yeah. Because I took 12 weeks basically off. I couldn't really swim. I, I couldn't push off. I couldn't kick, so I, I, a little bit of swimming I did was just a pull buoy. Strange to not be able to like turn, you know what I mean? Like actually push up the wall, so it was an odd way to swim. Uh, and then I was, uh, for two months I wasn't allowed to push any more power than 150 watts. And I was coming down off a lifetime best 30 minute power of 440 watts. So it was like 150, wow. I couldn't yeah. feel the pedals, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. For two months basically, and no running for 12 weeks. Um, and so, so I did this and I did it to the best of my ability. And then at, at eight weeks, I was allowed to get 20 Watts a week. So 170, 190, 210, all the way up. <clears throat> and then I basically, I still wanted to go to Kona for many reasons, just cause I love it in particular. And 
uh, I had basically one shot and it was Ironman Montrembant, which was after the 12 weeks, it was six weeks later. And so I learned so six much. Six weeks of training. Six basically. weeks of training. And it right. wasn't like, oh, here you go. Just like, you can't go from zero running to right. I'm going to start ripping. It was like week one was like 10 miles of running. Like that was, that was my return to running. But I ended up racing like, like, so I took 12 weeks off and I raced like really well. Like I, I, I didn't have the endurance. I, I started walking at 30 kilometers into the run. So it was like. 45 minutes shy, but I was leading the race and yeah. I, I came off the bike. It was one of my best bikes of my whole life. Uh, I think I averaged like 300 and 308 watts or something, which I had like barely even done much over 300 yeah. watts in, in the six weeks leading in. And then I held it for, for four hours. Um, and yeah, I just didn't have the legs to go the distance, but uh, that really sh taught me like, maybe we are overtraining. A yeah. bit. Maybe we're putting too much fatigue. If you got that kind of performance out of yourself with with very little intensity, maybe maybe you are coming into these things overtrained. And so, and I did nothing high, like very little high intensity as well. I think I went eight oh eight oh one or eight oh two, and it's not a, like it's not yeah, an easy course. I bike four fifteen, um, and so so I really opened my eyes to the fact that um, because we're doing it as a profession. We kind of like almost feel like if we're not training and not training hard, we're not doing our job. And it's like, no, part of your job is to recover too and absorb that training. And I think it's probably drastically overestimated how much volume, how much intensity you need to be doing. Of course, you can't, this isn't, an excuse, this isn't like a license to be a wimp and not train hard. Right, you got to put in the work. You need to absorb but you to... the training. And that's so would very you, important. Would you say that the rest and the recovery is just as important as the, 100%. As the training? 100%. In yeah. fact, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's equally as important yeah. because you don't absorb the, and that's what ha probably was happening to me because I was also doing when I, when I did this overtraining. I think the muscles start to fatigue and then the bones yeah. start to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the muscles are supposed to protect the bone, the shock and everything. But then the bones start taking the, 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 the pounding. I was doing a lot of pavement running and stuff too. And, and probably the body just said, sorry, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't hold this up anymore. Yeah. And what do you do as far as recovery in between stuff? Certain foods you eat? Like what is your, or massages? Yeah, I do. I do all. I try and eat. I mean, uh, I mean, I try and eat as balanced as I can. I if you know, as you know, when you burn in six to eight thousand calories a day, balance looks very different. Yeah, right? it's hard to get six thousand calories in a day. Yes, uh, eating so well, you, you need, can go get a Big Mac. You do but... need to. You do need to eat some of the the, the, the calorie dense foods as yeah. part of being balanced. For sure, the, the, the absolute enemy is calorie deficit by far. Um, so, but definitely trying. The beauty of consuming six to eight thousand calories a day is you eat a vast spectrum of food, which yeah. is really good. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I, yes, I do try and eat well. My wife helps me in that department greatly because if I was left on my own devices, it would not be good. But she makes sure I stay on that path as best as I can. And then I've been uh, massage a week for I don't know most of my career. Well, once a week. Once once I turned professional for most of my career. Once I actually interesting. Once I got that, I told you my massage service when I got that uh, pinched nerve. I, this is when I met my massage service, and I've gotten a massage a week since then. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest thing is like turning off. So, so now I try and, uh, at least once a week, you turn triathlon off. I don't do any triathlon. I'll think about triathlon because that you need it. Even though I love it, you need to. Is that where your golf comes in? That's when I, then, then I embarrass myself out on the golf course for one day. <laughs> Just get out there get and humbled do it. and say, wow, good thing you have no career in any other sports. So you might as well make this one work. <laughs> uh, and, and part of that is definitely taking the necessary recovery. And you know, you got to listen to your body. You'll know yeah. if you're listening. 
And I think that's the hardest thing to do is right. When you're in a focused plan of like, I got this goal, I got this drive. I want to, I want to meet this race or I want to perform like this. And you're doing your plan every day with you and your hip. There was a sign, but it's hard to hear yeah. that sign when you're so focused on yeah. what you want to do. And that's one of the downfalls to self-coaching, yeah. which I was, which I was self-coaching. Yeah. Uh, you is, have no one to having, bounce it off of. Having the, the, the third, the, you know, the bird's eye view of what you're doing, how you're feeling like any, anyone, would have looked in at what I was doing and said, oh, this is absolute insanity. Like you, you will get injured. End of the story. Yeah. And so it could have been prevented. And that was one of, that was probably the biggest lesson of 2019 is you can't do it alone. You need to have a coach. You need to have someone who's bird's eye view looking in and can give you that, that perspective that you won't be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, some people are wired differently. Like good coach, some people don't push themselves enough, right? That's a coach. It's, you can give a good coach for that. And some yeah. people are the opposite. Yeah. And it's like you push yourself too hard too often. And so that's, that's a good coach. Is, can, can see where you are on that spectrum and, and help you in the direction you need to go. No, that's really good. If you had one lesson that you had to leave behind, or if you had a year left to live, what would you want to teach those around you or teach somebody that you've learned? Well, my, my, uh, my, my one that I really truly believe in is that there are no limits. There are, of course, you got to take it to, to, it's a deeper saying. There are no limits. Yeah. There are biological limitations, of course. Go run for, without drinking or eating. You will, you'll, <laughs> you'll find a limitation. But um, there are no limits in the sense of you can do whatever you want with the right orientation and and devoting yourself and so that's how i try and live my life is is that i don't impose any mental limitations on myself and this gets into fear and all these sorts of things you cut all those those things that that go up against your 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 dreams and your goals and so i mean that that's what i i truly believe and i've seen in my life is that there are no limits i mean if you told me that or rather, if I told someone else in 2000, the end of 2009, that I would be sitting here today talking to you about finishing second in Kona and all these things. I mean, most people say this is ridiculous. This yeah. is ridiculous looking at where I was and what I was doing. Um, but I didn't impose any limitations on myself. And I continue to impose no limitations on myself. And I, and I hope to never impose limitations on myself from a mental standpoint. And I think that that'll get you wherever you want to go yeah. with that type of mindset. That's good. I mean, that's the same thing. Like I didn't get started in this sport of child. I didn't run at all. Didn't bike at all. I had a swimming background. So that's one, one thing I had up on you, mm. but, um, I didn't get started until I was 25. Okay. And, and oh, I yeah, very, very late. Yeah. When did, how old yeah. were you when you started? How old? 22. Okay. It was so 2009, I think. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So for me, I had the same thing where I had friends and family that laughed at me and basically mm -hmm. said go get a job because <laughs> your dreams are hopeless right uh, because the the likelihood and percentage of reaching that limit or reaching that goal that you have is very little right mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. as you said there are no limits out there you can accomplish mm -hmm. anything you put your mind to but i think what we forget nowadays is that it comes with patience too yeah. and it comes with like diligence it comes with like if you want to be a champion you have to have grit you have to have perseverance you have to push through you have to have belief you have to have mindset you have to have patience too in the whole process and the plan you can't expect to get that limit or meet that goal within a year or a month or whatever you go okay there's a time frame you mm -hmm. got to put in that effort and put mm -hmm. in that time and be patient to it too i would say if i can add another one to the sayings it's exactly what we're talking about is 
Um, there are no bad experiences. There's only bad perspectives. Right. So 100%. you need the good. Pers- they're all lessons. All of them. The positives and the negatives are all lessons if you have the right mindset. Yeah. And. You know, I mean, the triathlon door might have shut on me. You know what I mean? It's going to shut on some people. But that's, you don't need to take that as like a limit for you. Like you, what yeah. you're searching for, you will find the outlet yeah. for. You know what I mean? That really what are people searching for is much deeper than, than oh, I want to win a race or something, right? It's, yeah. it's much deeper than that. And you will find that outlet. And that's the beauty of, of I believe, not imposing limits on yourself. It's just maybe, maybe, maybe it's not in the cards what you're doing right now. But if you keep that mindset, you will find what it is that will that will give you that that peace. Yeah. And I, and I do feel that I have been given um, inner peace from this endeavor. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. I think it's really powerful the way that you approach your career, the way you approach life. In that you've and you have said this before that that this process is greater than yourself, right? So there's. You want to leave something behind. You want to give more in your endeavors of trying to do this to be an example. Would you say that that's a true, a true statement that you want to? That, that's probably my biggest motivator now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is is put your money where your mouth is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got to, you've got to, you talk, talk, talk. But let me see you walk, walk the walk. So, um, yeah, I live by my principles. If I say something, then I live by it. And and so yeah, I believe. And I believe that's that's all of our duties. We're all inspiring each other, yeah. right? And that that's probably what we are all yearning for is to is to contribute to the world in a way that we we find meaningful. And so everyone has that power. It doesn't have to be triathlon. Yeah. It just happens to be my outlet. Yeah. So that's so good. That's yeah. so powerful. Now I want to thank thank you again. And I want to leave with just saying that that it's been an honor to get to know you a little bit more in this last week. You know, I've known who you yeah, are we've met a few times. We've chatted mm-hmm. a couple, couple times, but to really get a little bit more perspective to have this talk with you and to really mm-hmm. hear that you that that you really care, that you're more than just an athlete. I see that for sure. That uh, you're super kind and giving. Um, and I believe that uh, with the journey that you're on, with the team that you have around you and your mindset and your as far as belief that you can reach that goal, that you can get to, to that. So I'm gonna be out there cheering you on cheers thanks um, yeah it's been a pleasure am, too you know and yeah. and yeah it's it's been an it's honor. fun it's they had a pleasure. good uh good uh, conversation yeah yeah i enjoy it <laughs> you thank know, you sometimes you do these, <laughs> these things and it's uh humdrum like, yeah that was fun you put me on the spot on a couple of those well there you guys go thank you for joining us for this podcast with lionel sanders if you enjoy this podcast please go ahead and share it on your social media tag myself at chris lieto and also tag Lionel Sanders, which is at L Sanders Try. And please go and check out Lionel's YouTube channel as well, Lionel Sanders. Uh, you get an inside scoop into his life, into his races, and you can learn a lot from uh, videos that he posts on YouTube. So go check out his YouTube channel as well. Thank you again for joining. I hope you got a lot out of it, like I did, learning a little bit more about Lionel and the inside scoop into his life.